I'm going to read verses 1 through 4 to start off here. And I, brethren, could not speak to you as spiritual people, but as to carnal, as to babes in Christ. I fed you with milk and not with solid food, for until now you were not able to receive it, and even now you are still not able, for you are still carnal. For where there is envy, strife, and divisions among you, are you not carnal and behaving like mere men? For when one says, I am of Paul, and another, I am of Apollos, are you not carnal? So really what we see is a continuation of what he was dealing with when we started in 1 Corinthians. It's kind of a thread that's been running through. And he's reproving them. He's basically coming against pride and earthly wisdom. When it says carnal, it's, it's not the word we typically think of when we hear the word carnal of fleshly passions. It's more of a mindset, like earthly thinking, seeing things the way man sees them. It's kind of like when uh, Jesus said to Peter, you're not thinking as, as, uh, in, as, you're thinking as men, Peter. Basically, you're looking at things through the natural reasoning mind. So that's more what he's talking about, thinking, which the Greeks loved to do. They loved to reason. They loved philosophy. They were into it. And Paul was trying to show them that the gospel, the truth of the gospel, wasn't dependent on that. And you couldn't know it in that way. And it didn't need man's wisdom for its, its success. And that's partly why there's contentions, there's strife going on at the church in Corinth. That's what's happening here. So the fact that they're divided by following different human leaders instead of following Christ was demonstrating what Paul was saying, that they're acting carnal. They're not in the spirit. They're thinking as mere men in the, ma in, in the natural. So he says to them, I fed you with milk, not solid food. And basically what he means by that, it's a picture of an infant that, you know, give a, you don't give a steak <laughs> to an infant. They can't handle it. So uh, he's basically saying to them, I, I have to give you milk. You're acting like babies, like babes in Christ. I, I, I fed you with milk. In other words, the simple truths of the gospel, like our depravity, our sin, God's mercy, repentance towards God, faith in the Lord Jesus Christ, speaking to them in the plainest language he could, rather than the deeper mysteries, which we looked at, remember, last week. And how do we know those deeper mysteries? We know them by the Spirit. The Spirit reveals the deep things of the Spirit. We can't naturally know those things, but the Spirit reveals the deep things of God. So that's what he's talking. And one of the commentators said it this way, men can have a lot of doctrinal knowledge, but yet be beginners in the life of faith and experience. In other words, if you're not walking in humility, if you're not living out the basic truths of the gospel, you can be 
very highly uh, educated, intelligent. You can debate doctrines. But if you're not walking in the basic truths of the gospel and in love and the crucified life and you're, you're not walking in humility, you're really carnal and a babe as far as the faith is concerned. And that's what he's kind of getting at here. And there'll be contentions and quarrels about religion, which are evidence of this carnality. And I know I say this a lot, but it's just there when you go on YouTube. I mean, there's some guys, their whole ministry is just to say how everyone else is wrong, basically. And, you know, they're just there to debate and to point out error and all that. And we need that. That's important. We should call out false teachers and things as that. I mean, Paul did that. But we're talking about gray issues. We're talking about things that really uh, don't affect the gospel. Different beliefs, different denominational beliefs um, that aren't major issues. They make major to the point even of disqualifying whole portions of people because of what they believe because it isn't in line with their beliefs. So there's all these quarrels about religion and, and it's just evidence that men are not thinking the way they should be. They're not in the spirit, maybe. Uh, possibly they're carnal. They're, they're looking at things that are natural and just the intellect. Um, true religion should make us peaceable, not contentious. James talks about that, right? The wisdom from below is what? Right, where do, right, where do divisions, where does strife come from? Earthly wisdom. But what is the wisdom from above? It's first peaceable, gentle, right? It's the total opposite. It doesn't have to be right. Um, so true religion makes men peaceable, not contentions. And it should be, we should grieve that there are so many who walk as Christians that live and act too much like other men. Many professors, many preachers even, show themselves to be carnal by vain, just, it's vain. It's, it's empty. There's no point to it. Strife. Eagerness. They, they love debating, almost. Ready to despise and speak evil of others that don't believe the same way they do. The childish condition of the Corinthians was shown by that party division. And I know we talked about this, but he's obviously bringing it up again. He's driving home the point to them. They gloried more in their leader after whom their faction was called than in Jesus Christ. Don't we do that? I mean, it's, you know what it is? I think it's in the fallen nature to want to worship man. We just gravitate towards that, and I think sometimes it's because we want to be worshipped, or we want to be associated. Oh, well, I know so-and-so. You know what I mean? Instead of making it about Christ. And we're going to see later just the heart of Paul. Uh, such a picture of the same thing uh, John the Baptist was in, just that 
Just let me decrease so he can increase. That should be our heart. And that's really what Paul is, is trying to get at here with them. So they gloried more in the leader after whom their faction was called than in Jesus Christ. So to correct this, uh, Paul presents a right view of spiritual teachers and the work that they do. So he says here in verse 5, Who then is Paul and who is Apollos? But ministers. A better word here, a better translation would be servants. Because we hear ministers and we think, oh yeah, just pastors and teachers. But this really could be anyone. We're all, and I want to include you guys in this. We're all his servants. We're all vessels fit for the master's use. So um, we'll say it that way. Who then is Paul? Who is Apollos? Who's Troy? Who's Joe? Who's Jeff? Who's David? We're all just servants, right? Through whom you believed. So God uses us, right? He uses us to share the gospel. He uses us to share with other people. People don't just believe through leaders, right? Although, obviously, Paul was initially the one that brought them the gospel. Then came Apollos after him to instruct them. So, you know, that's why they're making them so prominent. But really, if you think about it, all of us now, especially, we're all called to share the gospel. We're all called to witness and testify and tell people about Jesus. We're all his servants, right? To bring the gospel, the good news to those who need it. So we're all, all servants. We're just servants. That's all we are, through whom you believed, as the Lord gave to each one. I planted, Apollos watered, but God gave the increase. And it's important statement. God gave the increase. So it's neither he who plants that is anything, nor he that waters, but it's God who gives the increase. We're all just his servants. It goes back to chapter one. Remember, I told you guys the scripture the Lord gave me to remind me, to help me remember. Jeff, just remember, I chose you, but remember what I choose. The things that are not, the things that are nothing, things that are base. You know, why? So that no flesh would glory. No flesh would glory that he would get all the glory, that we would understand we're just vessels. He chooses the weak things, the foolish things of the world, not the mighty. But yet, he works mightily through those vessels. But we have to understand it's him. The minute we think it has something to do with us, that's where we miss the mark. That's where we go off. Or we think it's or we put someone else, a person, on a pedestal. Um, we're getting into that carnal way of thinking. And again, that's what Paul is dealing with. We're nobody except vessels that God worked through, basically, is what he's saying. A bondservant. And a bondservant, what are they in it for? They're in it for love. They love. I, I think about in the Old Testament, uh, the year of Jubilee, that servants would be released from uh, their debt and set free, but there were some who would choose to stay a slave in that household forever, and they would take an all and 
put his ear to the door and they would drive an all through there and that would be the symbol uh, and the symbol was why the ear well because when he says i listen and i obey i'm his servant it's such a picture of being a bond servant of christ but it's not the servitude we would naturally think of it's love. No, I love being in this household. He's so good to me. I don't want to leave here. I want to serve him, and I want to serve all the guests that come into his house as well. I want to represent him and be a blessing. That's really what our mindset should be in our serving, that I do all things for Christ. Everything I do is for him. And when, so when I love a person or when I give my time or I give myself for people, I'm doing it for him, and I want them to know it's from him. That this is, my master calls me to do this, to serve you, because he loves you, because he cares about you, and he wants you to have what is his. And I'm just one of his servants. So again, we're like, none of this is mine. This is his, and he's freely given it. I'm just passing it on to you as his servant. So it's out of love, and it, it made me think of Luke 17, where Jesus met 10 lepers. This is what motivates a true servant. Um, in verse 12, it says, talking about Jesus, as he entered a certain village, there met him 10 men who were lepers who stood afar off. And leprosy is such a picture of us in our depravity, just full of sin, rotting, you know, you think about leprosy, it's just a horrible, horrible disease. You were outcast, you were put outside the camp, you were permanently unclean. And if you think about it, our sinful nature made us like lepers. Um, so these 10 lepers lift up their voice and they said, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. And so when he saw them, he said, Go, show yourselves to the priests. And so it was, as they went, they were cleansed. And one of them, when he saw that he was healed, he returned and with a loud voice, he glorified God. And he fell down on his face at his feet and he gave him thanks. And he was a Samaritan. One of them, one of them turned back to give glory to God and thanks to Jesus for his salvation. Why did he do that? He understood. He understood what had just happened to him. It's a picture. He was humbled. He, he humbled himself. He fell at Jesus' seat. He remembered what he had been and what Jesus had done for him when he found him. He glorified God. He gave thanks when this is a continual flow in our hearts, when this is something that's real to us all the time, we're joyful servants. We serve out of joy, even if it means suffering. Jesus suffered the cross, but yet it was a joy set before him. Why? He loved the Father. It was a joy for him to please the Father, even if it meant his suffering. So when we're serving them, those he sends us to, it's really him we're serving. He saved me. He cleansed me. 
He saved you. He cleansed you. And we're his servants for his use. We're not our own anymore. He's bought us with a price. 2 Timothy 2, verse 19 says, Therefore, if anyone cleanses himself from the latter, in other words, repents and receives the cleansing, the forgiveness of God, he will be a vessel for honor, sanctified, useful for the master, prepared for every good work. And then when God has that vessel... It says in that verse we just read in 1 Corinthians, as the Lord gave to each one. And in other places it says a measure of faith or uh, a measure of grace. For what? For service. And Paul's saying, listen, we've all, we're just servants and we've just been given a measure of faith from Him to serve Him. As the Lord gave to each one a measure of faith and grace for the service of God. He says it in Romans 12, verse 3. For I say, through the grace given to me, to everyone who was among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think. He's the same thought here. But to think soberly as God has dealt to each one a measure of faith. For, and now it... He talks about the body now. All of us together. For we have many members in one body, but all the members don't have the same function. So we, being many, are one body in Christ, individually members of one another, having then gifts differing according to what? The grace that's given to us. Let us use them. This works in all of us, right? Not just his ministers. This is for everybody. As the Lord gave to each one a measure of faith and grace for the service of God. So Paul is saying any success, anything that has happened, whatever the instrument, it all traces back to God. And what he does by his grace, by his power, by the measure of faith he grants to each one of us. Why? So no flesh can glory. So no one can exalt a man above God. Because all of us are just servants. That's all we are. That no flesh should glory. And the fact that one teacher or another had first instructed them, or that one was more eloquent than the other should not be a foundation for these contending camps, which is what we do. God was the source of all blessings. Ministers are but servants. They're not heads of parties or schools of thought, although they are because we make them, or sometimes they make themselves out to be that whose object is to gather disciples for themselves they're servants of God they're doing his work we should be pointing people to God just think about the things we say I'm a Calvinist I'm an Arminius well those were people <laughs> those were men with schools of thought but we classify ourselves 
by men. And we, we don't realize that we do it with denominations. We do it with so many different things. And that's what Paul's getting. Paul's like, it's Christ. It's Christ. It's Christ. It's God. It's God. It's not us. It's God. It's the Gospel. It's the message of the cross. Remember what he says in 1 Corinthians 2? Verse 1, Brethren, when I came to you, I didn't come with excellence of speech or of wisdom, declaring to you the testimony of God. For I determined not to know anything among you except Jesus Christ and Him crucified. I was with you in weakness, in fear, in much trembling. My speech and my preaching were not with persuasive words of human wisdom, but in demonstration of the Spirit and power that your faith should not be in the wisdom of men, but in the power of God. So he goes on then, I planted, Apollos watered, but God gave the increase. So he's showing different graces, different giftings. I planted, he watered, but God gave the increase. So verse 7, then neither is he who plants anything or he that waters anything, but it's God who gives the increase. So he uses farming or planting here as an illustration. We do our part, just like in farming, but that seed that really is dead comes to life. I don't even know how that happens. Joe might know better. It's a miracle, right? It's dead, but it comes alive. It's a picture of us. It's a picture of what God does. We can water, we can do all those things, but only God can awaken a heart. Only God can open up the understanding. Only God can bring life where there was no life. No, none of us can do that. The power is not in the Word alone. It's not in Him who plants. It's not in Him who waters. It's not even the heart where it's sown. It's God that brings the increase. I used to have guys all the time uh, that would come where I used to work and they could quote scripture up and down. They knew all their doctrines and all that, but they didn't know God. They were bound in sin. They had no victory in their life, full of pride. So it's not just the Word. we got to have the Spirit. There has to have something that happens that only God can do in the heart because repentance is a gift. We have to embrace the light when it comes, but if we do, God does a miracle. And He brings life where there was death. He brings the Spirit where there was the natural. It's a miracle. Paul says in another place, I am what I am by the grace of God. So then in verse 8, he goes on, Now he who plants and he who waters are one. And each one will receive his own reward according to his own labor. For we are God's fellow workers. You are God's field. And you are God's building. So a little side note here. Um, 
It's not according to the fruit or result of our labor, but it's simply according to the measure of our labor. What do I mean? Um, man looks at success differently than God does. Um, it's much different than how the world thinks. Man applauds success. God applauds faith or faithfulness. Many unknown but faithful workers will receive a greater reward than he who has been less faithful but more prominent and successful. This should encourage us that when we serve the Lord, he's the rewarder, not man. That's important. Because if you're looking for man for your reward, that's a recipe for bitterness. That's a recipe for being sorely let down. Um, we have to be serving the Lord. We have to know our reward is from Him. And He sees what we do in secret. And He's looking for just servants that will be faithful. That's all He's looking for. Faithful servants. He's the one we are seeking to please, not man. He's the one we exalt, not man. So Paul says, listen, we're all the same. We're all engaged in the same work. Although it looks different, although he might uh, operate differently than him or uses us in different ways, we're all doing the same work. That's his point here. We shouldn't be set against each other. We shouldn't be rivals. Because our work is one, it's, it's, yet it's diverse. Um, and as long as we keep the gospel at the center and we preach Christ and Him crucified, we should rejoice that Christ is preached, even with our differences. We should be focusing more on that. That's what Paul is getting at. And there's a, a, a portion of Scripture in Philippians that really exposes Paul's heart. It's beautiful, actually. And I, I, I need more of it in my life because, you know, we all can have that in our hearts. Uh, oh, you know, we're competing or, oh, what are they doing over there? Um, but listen to Paul. This is Philippians chapter 1, uh, starting here, I think, in verse 12. I want you to know, brethren, that the things which happened to me have actually turned out for the fur furtherance of the gospel. He's in prison, Okay. It has become evident to the whole palace God and to all the rest that my chains are in Christ. And most of the brethren in the Lord, having become confident by my chains, are much more bold now to speak the word of God without fear. Yeah, some preach Christ even from envy and strife, and some from goodwill. The former preach Christ from selfish ambition. They're not totally sincere. They're not sincere. Supposing to add to my affliction and change, the latter out of love, knowing I am appointed for the defense of the gospel. But listen to what he says. What then? What do I do with that? Only that in every way, whether in pretense or in truth, Christ is preached. In this I rejoice. Yes, I will rejoice. Wow. You know what he's saying? Hey, if 
The gospel gets preached on my ruin, on my popularity going down, and even though some of them aren't even right in their hearts, but if they're preaching the gospel, I'm happy. We're so not like that, or can be. Especially, again, I know I keep bringing up YouTube, but it's just out there. And I think what has happened because now we're so accessible or teachers, people are so accessible in that way, it just feeds this thing Paul's dealing with in the church of Corinth. It's just so much bigger now. Because you think about it then, all they had was the people in their town or they got a letter or some other preacher came into town or other per- whatever, or the Judaizers, you know, you name it. There were different people that would come behind Paul, whatever. But forget about now. Now you get online and there's hundreds of teachers, hundreds of opinions. And I'm of this, I'm of this guy, I'm of that guy. And there's all these factions and fightings and disputes going on. And the gospel gets lost in it. Now again, we need to point out error and false doctrine, absolutely. But a lot of times it's over these other petty side issue things and disqualifying people that are preaching the gospel. I rejoice. The more important matter to Paul is that Christ was being made known. That's all he cared about. And if it was secured, he was willing that his own name would be cast into the shade. Let me just fade away. There's some lessons to be learned here for us. When we are unpopular and unsuccessful, we should rejoice that others are more popular and successful if Christ is preached. Ooh. When we have rivals who have better plans than we do for doing good, whose labors are crowned with success, we shouldn't be envious or jealous, for Christ is preached. When ministers of other denominations preach what we wouldn't agree with and their preaching becomes popular and is attacked with success, we can find occasion to rejoice, for they preach Christ. Just think if all Christians and ministers had the feelings which Paul had or is expressing here. You think there'd be less envy and strife going on in the body of Christ? Let the world cease. I hope the time will come when all who preach the gospel will have such supreme regard for the name and work of the Savior that they will find sincere joy in the success of a rival denomination or church or preacher or plans for doing good. Then indeed, contention would cease. The hearts of Christians, like kindred drops, would mingle into one. I... uh, I had a pastor's meeting Monday with the pastors from town, and we had the most we ever had. And there was a lot of uh, expressions of, I'm so glad we do this. 
And we started praying together for revival and um, we're going to be having a Thanksgiving service on the 20th. I'll, I'll mention about it. Um, it's going to just kind of be like a fellowship meal and we'll have communion together and, and all. But, you know, it's like uh, I was telling them on Monday, it doesn't matter where people choose to go or whatever. Let's just rejoice that people are getting reached. Let's work together. We're, we all have the same goal. Yeah, we might have different approaches and not agree on everything, but we're all one in this, really. Again, unless you're totally off-faith, unorthodox, that's different. You know, how can two walk together unless they're in agreement on the fundamentals, the orthodox Christi Christian way? Um, that's not what I'm talking about. Um, so what I want to do, guys, is this. I'm going to stop there because the rest of the chapter, it kind of goes into a little bit of a different uh, thought. Um, really, the main thought in this first part is really what we've been talking about. So I want to end it with maybe a time of prayer for unity, for God to help us walk in humility, to be led by the Spirit, to have the mind of Christ, and to seek to strive together for the gospel. Um, so I'm going to read two scriptures that go along that. One is in Philippians, actually at the end of the passage I read about Paul. It's in verse 27, Philippians 1. He says, Only let your conduct be worthy of the gospel of Christ, so that whether I come and see you or am absent, I may hear of your affairs that you stand fast in one spirit with one mind. For what? Striving together for the faith of the gospel. That's what it's all about. That's what we're here to do. That's it. And then in Colossians chapter 1, verse 9, Paul says, For this reason we also... Since the day we heard it, we don't cease to pray for you and ask that you be filled with the knowledge of His will in all wisdom and spiritual understanding. So that's the opposite of carnal thinking. Because Paul understands the importance of that and what that brings about. That's more what we need. We need the mind of the Spirit. We need the Spirit teaching us and revealing the truths of God to our inner man, to our hearts not just our intellects, that you may be filled with the knowledge of His will in all wisdom and spiritual understanding. Why? That you may walk worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing Him, being fruitful in every good work and increasing in the knowledge of God. This is the total opposite of what Paul was talking about when he says you're still carnal. The, the, what he was talking about is the knowledge of the intellect, the knowledge of man that puffs up, that brings about pride, and where pride is, every evil thing will be there. There'll be division, there'll be strife. It's the wisdom of this world. This is the total opposite. This is the wisdom from above. And it's so that we'll walk in this way. Worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing, being fruitful in every good work, increasing in the knowledge of God, strengthened with all might according to his glorious power for all patience and long suffering and joy, 
giving thanks to the Father who has qualified us to be partakers of the inheritance of the saints in the light. Hallelujah. Lord, I just pray you'd help all of us. It's, I see this evil in my own heart. Lord, it's just a propensity in all of us. It's just part of the old man, the old way of thinking. These were believers, but they were acting like babes because they were operating in the natural reasoning mind, Lord. They weren't being led by the Spirit. They weren't being taught by the Spirit. They weren't walking in humility. So there wasn't unity. They were making it about men and, and other things other than you, Lord. But you're the head, Lord. We're just, your body, we're just members of one another, but you're the head, Lord. And I pray, God, you would draw us to you. You would cause us to look to you, not a man, not a church, not a denomination, not a this, not a that, but to you, Lord. I know, Lord, that you will have one church in this earth, Lord, to glorify you and that you will bring it about in your way, in your time, Lord, whatever it takes. But Lord, we can, we can enter into that now. We don't have to be a part of that spirit that divides. We don't have to be engaging in things that separate, in things that don't glorify you, in things that just create strife and contention and really does dishonor to you, to the lost, because they don't see a love for one another. They don't see your people from different backgrounds, from different denominations, truly loving one another, bearing with one another. They see infighting. They see all the, the things. Oh, they're on YouTube too. Maybe they're searching. Maybe they're looking and they, they have so many different opinions and things and this one's saying this about that one. Lord, oh God, I just think about how it could damage their image of who you are and, and your people. You said they'll know I've come by your love for one another. So Lord, I pray you'd help us. Help us to learn what Paul was trying to teach these Corinthians. Help us to keep the focus on you. Help us, Lord, to like Paul said, to be determined not, determined not to know anything except Jesus Christ and him crucified, Lord. Help us to be taught and led by the Holy Spirit. Lord, so I pray as we enter into a, a little time of prayer here, Lord, you would produce that in us, Lord, so that we can um, glorify you and not be partakers of those that would cause that division, Lord, but we would be those that would strive together to promote the gospel, to promote you, to lift your name up, Lord, to glorify you in this dark world that so many need to see a risen Christ, that know that you have come, Lord, and that there are people that love you and know you, Lord. Um, so God, just help us. Help us now as we look to you and trust you to have your way in us. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.